at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now get five years, no interest, plus five months, no first payment. But only through December 31st. Set your free consultation today at PellaWI.com slash radio or call 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the program. So glad to have you with us. Hope everybody had a very, very happy new year. Let's get right to it. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. There's just, I mean, new year. I'm always amazed at at what some people do. And see, I understand pranks. I I get it. And and I think I have as good a sense of humor as, as most people, maybe better than most. But every once in a while, I look at some of this senseless stuff that's out there, and you just wonder why. Now, I sent out a tweet about this yesterday. It is, if you're a regular listener to this program, this program, you know that one of my happy places is Key West. If you ever get a chance to go to Key West, go to Key West for a couple of days. It's just, it's like no other place in the continental United States. And, and it's just, it's fun. And we, we end up going to Key West maybe once a year, maybe twice a year for just a couple of days. A couple of days in Key West. It's like Las Vegas. I mean, two or three days is enough. You know, you, you get the full flavor of all the stuff to do, and it's a lot of fun. But one of the big things, if you go to Key West, there's all these, these tourist things that you do. You ride the conch train. The conch train is like, it's like the Zoomobile, and it goes all over the island, and they give you all sorts of descriptions. I've always joked that in retirement, I want to drive the conch train. If you follow me on Twitter, I always send pictures of me posing with the drivers of the conch train. You'd like to do that. So there's certain touristy things you do. One of the touristy things that everybody does is on one end of the island, on the the Atlantic side of of the island, there is this giant buoy, and it's it's marked as the southernmost part of the United States, and it's this big old buoy, and it's painted multiple colors, and you're 90 miles to Cuba. And so what happens is everybody who goes to Key West goes there to get a picture of themselves standing next to this buoy. And it's actually, it's it's really kind of a fun thing to do because whenever you go out there, there's always 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 people standing in line because it, it's what you do. And But everybody is incredibly friendly, and it's one of those deals where, you know, you, you go up and it's your turn, you give your camera to the people behind you or have just gotten done and they take your picture. It's just, it's a fun thing to do. So apparently, I've got pictures of this. New Year's Eve, what happens is between 3 o'clock and 3.30 in the morning, a couple drunken yahoos, baseball caps turned backwards, because this is all captured on camera. They apparently didn't know that there was a camera on this buoy 24-7. They they go out 3 o'clock in the morning, they're at this buoy, and what they do, there's a, was a, I guess, a Christmas tree that somebody had thrown out, like a discarded Christmas tree. This is right in the middle of a residential neighborhood. So they grab this Christmas tree, they bring it over, they lay it next to the buoy, and they light the Christmas tree on fire. And as a result of lighting the Christmas tree on fire, they 
damage the the, the buoy. I mean, now it, it's a big concrete thing, but the paint is all like the paint is you know ends up coming off like you would expect if you know you have something that, that's charred in a fire. And now, the, I mean, the buoy is still there, but it it does not look very good, and it's obviously going to cost several thousand dollars in order to to fix this. And I guess I, I just look at this and I think you know as somebody who loves Key West and who makes regular pilgrimages to this spot. Senseless stuff like this just hacks me off. It's just another example of why people cannot have nice things. Oh, let's just go destroy something for the sake of destroying it because, well, I I don't know what that gets you. All right. Now, the story today is that uh, MPS is temporarily transitioning to virtual learning. Now, it's look, let's understand this from the beginning. Virtual learning maybe it's too much to say it doesn't work, but I think everybody agrees that virtual learning is, in some respects, it's an oxymoron. It's a very, very poor substitute for in-person teaching. And I really do worry, particularly in places like MPS, for example, that are challenged to begin with, what the effect on students has been for not being in class for a year, a year and a half, or or whatever. And, And now... Again, MPS is back to virtual learning. Now, the folks at MPS say this is short-term, and I'm not going to fault them because the problem here is apparently with the, the spread of the of coronavirus, they, they, they don't think they have enough people to conduct in-person classes. I mean, it's just taking a huge toll among the, the teachers. The good news, and we'll probably talk about this in more detail later on, is that this new variant – I think almost everybody's going to get it. I mean, you know, we we heard we had Cavalier Johnson, the acting mayor, on. He he he's boosted. You know, he's got he's got his booster shot. He's fully vaccinated. He's got COVID. I I know seriously more people in the last month who've come down with COVID than they have over the whole last two years. The only good news is that everybody I know who's come down with COVID, ranging from teenagers to people in their eighties to 90s is that everybody who's had this, as long as they've been vaccinated, as long as they've had their booster, nobody has been sick in in any meaningful form. One of my friends said that she's had worse hangovers than this. That That was her phrase. You know, everybody's described it as a very, very mild cold. And maybe that is ultimately our our way out of this, that everybody's going to get this variant. It's going to become endemic. You're going to have the the herd immunity, or it's going to be so weak that, again, it's just like any other sort of virus. Now, that's, I guess, the optimal thing. But that's why you want to get yourself vaccinated. You want to get yourself boosted so you don't end up in the hospital with this. So you just end up with a case of the the sniffles. So I'm not going to criticize MPS for closing, at least for a week and going virtual, because, again, I think the problem is, even though they don't have an inordinate number of people who are sick, they right now they've got people who are contagious and they they don't think that they can go ahead and do the in-person stuff. So it's a bad situation. But it's a huge problem because I mean, I really wonder what's happening to kids who've been consigned to this, the quicksand of virtual learning over the course of the last year and a half. When they do come back, though, virtual or otherwise, there are frustrations with modern day learning. I was telling the story to someone the other day, and their response was, well, you really don't need to be able to do what this person could not do. Let me tell you the story. On Thursday, 
last Thursday, I was off. My wife took um, her grandson, our grandson, out, out to lunch. And so I was kind of on my own. I was driving around running errands. One of my, I, I've been trying to be better over the course of the last year or two and, and eat healthier. But, all right, I was hungry. I was out. There was nothing at the house. So I go through the McDonald's drive through So here's the deal. Go through the McDonald's drive through for lunch. They had this deal where for 6 bucks you could get any two of their sandwiches. You could get a Big Mac. You could get the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Any two of them for 6 bucks. Well, I really didn't want to, but okay. I ordered the two for 6 bucks. I order a small order of fries, which was $2.09, which is how they make their money. So it comes out to be, I'm going to drive through. It's $8.53. Now follow me on this. Now, I, I always have a little bit of cash in the car for exactly this type of thing. I understand a lot of people just use credit cards for everything. For drive-through purchases, I still pay cash. So I've got some cash in the car, and I have this little shelf in the car where I, I throw spare change. So it's $8.53. That's the bill. All right, I'm looking in my glove box, and I, I've got a five and four singles, nine bucks. So I take the nine bucks, and there's three pennies. I grab three pennies off this little shelf. So $9.03. That's what I have in my hand. The bill, keep in mind, it's $8.53. I I swear, I will tell you this exactly as it happened. We pull up to the drive-thru window. The gal says, young young woman, nice young woman, says $8.53. I give her, I said, there's $9.03. She says, well, it's $8.53. I said, yeah, I know, $9.03. Now, I do not claim to be a rocket science scientist, but $9.03 minus $8.53. Do it in your head real quick, 50 cents. All right? I, I, and I guess I, th- this wasn't I, – I thought that was pretty simple. I thought I was making it easier the way I did it. Uh, l- listen again. So I'm watching this. Now there's people lining up behind us. So I give her the 903. She looks at me, and I swear, she pulls out a calculator. And I watch her punching things in on the calculator. And I, I want to say 903 minus $8.53. It's 50 cents. So she punches stuff in on the calculator and then scrunches up her face because she's punched in the wrong numbers. And I see her do this again, punches this in again, and then reaches into the change drawer and gives me a quarter back, 25 cents. I said, and at this point in time, I, I guess on part of me just, wants to take the quarter and drive on. But I I'm, was kind of curious as to where this was going. I said, no, the, the change is supposed to be 50 cents. She looks at me, and I, and she says, you gave me 903. The calculator comes out again. You gave me $9.03. I said, yep. She said, and the thing is $8.53. I'm watching her punch this in. And I said, yes, it should be 50 cents. And she said, oh, yes, you're right. But this whole process takes, I mean, a couple minutes, but it was very apparent she did not have the ability in her head to subtract $8.53 from $9.03 and come up with 50 cents. She she just was completely and totally lost in the ability to do that. So I was telling this story on Thursday night to some friends, and at least one of them said, well, Jeff, we don't teach that. They, They don't teach that anymore because the general sense is you don't need to know that $8.53 from $9.03 is 50 cents. That's what we have calculators and computers for. There's no need for that, so we do not put an emphasis on it. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess let's start off the, let's start off 2022 with a simple question. Do, do, do we need to be able to do basic math? 
or given the fact that we all have calculators on our cell phones, is there any reason in 2022 why anybody needs to know in their head that $8.53 from $9.03 is 50 cents, and if you're giving change to somebody, that's two quarters. 855-616-1620. Is this a completely useless, I don't know, 1960 sort of ability to do basic math in your head? 855-616-1620. We discuss. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I obviously thought I, w- I was doing this gal a favor by, instead of giving her $9 on an $8.53 tab, which would have been $0.47 cents change, which means you got to pull a quarter, two dimes, and a couple pennies, I just rounded up to nine oh three fifty cents, and, and she couldn't do the math. And, and I guess I was just kind of taken back by it. But I guess the question is, is is, is the ability to do basic math skills still relevant in 2022? David in Brookfield. David, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Happy New Year to you. Same to you, sir. I've experienced that exact same thing. And, Jeff, she is the perfect example of why not teaching them basic math is so wrong because they can't even check for themselves to know if the calculator or the computer is right or wrong. She yeah. couldn't get it right with the calculator. Yeah. I, well, and, right. Along with that, Jeff, I yeah. So how can how can you ever know if something's right or wrong if you could never come up with the answer in your own mind? I, well, but that, along with that, Jeff, I buy I buy from a big box store and I go to check out and they want a job name on my receipt. So I give them a simple name of Smith or Roman or Damon, and these young people have to ask me how to spell it. Yeah, they don't even they can't even spell a name like that. Yeah, no, thanks. I mean, I think it's this, this kind of it's these sort of basic skills that are out there. You know, let's but let's say the flip side: if you can't do this basic math stuff, how do you know if you're getting ripped off? Let's say you're let's say you're the customer, right? And uh, forget the nine oh three. You 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 give somebody the tab is eight fifty. You give them the nine bucks. You're supposed to get forty-seven bucks cents back and change. The, the, the cashier gives you a quarter. If if you can't do these basic math skills, well, you don't know in that case that you didn't get the, the amount of money that you're back. How how do you wander and go to a store? Maybe I just got really sensitive to this, but you know, back in the day, like when I was in college and stuff and didn't have a lot of money, you'd go to the grocery store and you'd pay cash for things. You'd have to write a check and you had to be really conscious about the amount of money you had in your check account. You go up and down the aisles of the store and I would always keep a running count in my mind as to how much the items were. Now, I couldn't tell you exactly that it was going to be $18.36, but I had a rough idea that it was somewhere between like seven and 19 bucks. I mean, I had that rough idea. So if all of a sudden somebody rings something up and it turns out to be 35, I know that there is a mistake that, that's being made. That's the importance, I think, of, of these basic math skills to just you know, make sure that you're not getting ripped off by by these. And and look, I appreciate, I'm not suggesting that, you know, people shouldn't use calculators to double check things or stuff like that. But it's just amazing to me how often this happens. Jeff, uh, OMG, same thing happened when picking up a pizza and this was an adult. The bill was $34. I gave him two 20s. 
Okay, that would be 40 bucks. He kept typing into his calculator and could not figure it out. Finally, he call, called over a young kid who, and said the calculator was not working. The young kid looked at me and just gave me six bucks. I really felt sorry for the guy. How can you not know how to give change? Well, it, and, and again, it's not just the giving change. It's the, all right, $40, 34 from 40. All right, can I see a show of hands? <laughs> I think, you know, most people, that's, that you don't have to be, you know, a member of Mensa to be able to do some of these basic sort of things. And I think part of it is it's just not taught anymore. You know, we, we don't do this emphasis on flashcards and stuff. I remember as a kid, you'd sit down and spend hours with your parents and they'd give you the flashcards where you do the division and the multiplication. And again, I'm just talking about the basic sort of skills. And I'm not suggesting you shouldn't use a calculator, but my goodness, can't we do things in our head? Uh, let's talk to Mike in Brookfield. Mike, you're on WTMJ. You're going to have to go to Mike. Okay, let's talk to Ron. Ron in Janesville. Ron, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, Jeff, this is such a, a great subject. Uh, you always say once in a while your head explodes. Yeah. Well, mine does. Many times my wife gets so mad at me when I go to these places. But it happens to me quite frequently where the change is all goofed up. And, and many times I they they just want to give me, you know, say, take this. And, and, uh, and I said, no, I don't want to pay that much. I'm overpaying you. But the, the best one ever was I ordered a plain hamburger and a Diet Coke. Right. I got out to the car. It was in a snow in a blizzard. I got in the car. I had a cheeseburger and uh, a, 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 a Sprite. Yep. I, I looked at the line. There's about 30 cars there. I drove back around and I told the lady, I said, I don't want this. And I'm on Weight Watchers. I, right. I, I, I'm trying to lose weight. Oh, all of a sudden, they wouldn't let me in this in the store. They made me stand outside in the snowstorm, and then they bring me out a Big Mac, an order of fries, <laughs> and two apple pies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Said, Here, this is a, this is a way of telling you we're, we're sorry. I, I don't want it. Right. I, I just, just want a hamburger. I just want it, what it I wanted. To me all the time. Yeah. No. Thanks for calling. Right. And, and and of course that that's kind of like the larger service sort of thing. This this is just kind of the 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 math of this. Here's a t- Jeff. Um, I worried about this when my daughter was in elementary school. They did not take timed addition, subtraction, multiply, or divide tests. She learned math using the touch dot system and quickly started to use calculators by about second or third grade. My daughter is a 2017 Bachelor of Science degree as a registered nurse. I still catch her adding on her fingers. I will still quiz her on math factors, and she will do it back to me. Five plus nine equals 14. My husband and I would not have known math facts and counting money. If my husband and I would not have done math, facts and counting money at home we don't know where it would have turned out um yeah that's 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 just it again and and, and this is not a unique sort of story and i again i, I like that this was not this was not a situation where i'm trying to be a jerk and i'm not telling the story to call out the young lady she's perfectly nice and things like that she just could not do this in her head and it makes me wonder you know what 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 we are producing if people and a lot of people are texting me saying, yeah, you're, if you want to talk about math, wait till you see about how people spell. Well, that, I'm sure that's a whole other story as well. But if we're not teaching people how to do these basic math skills so they know them and everybody's dependent on the calculators and everybody's dependent on, you know, the personal phones that have the calculators, you know, what happens on that rare occasion where maybe you just don't have your phone handy? Just asking. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
Here's a text. Jeff, I have a friend who works at a major electric contractor. said many of the new employees don't know how to recognize problems right off the bat that involve addition. If a piece of equipment with a total capacity of 750 amps has lines with 300 amps, 200 amps, and 350 amps coming into it, well, they don't get the idea that there is a problem. I've seen this all the time in college-educated kids. Yeah, why? Gee, why? Why does the fuse keep tripping? And why won't this machine work? What's going on here? Um, why does the breaker keep tripping? Why does the, f- the fuse keep going out? Oh, it's because gee, the capacity is 750 amps, and I've got 850 amps on it, but I don't know that off the top of my head. Again, it's just. It's I appreciate this is not saying that, okay everybody's got to go back to using slide rules or things like that. But don't you have to do basic stuff in your head? Just asking. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Happy New Year, everybody. So glad to have you spending the first first weekday of 2022 with me. All right. If you are like me and my wife, last night you probably sat down and had the opportunity to watch the Green Bay Packers game. Now, one of the things that I I always enjoy doing is I like to listen to sports talk radio after Packers games, especially after Packers wins, because the, the Packers, if they win... I've still never met a more demanding set of of fans than the people who call sports talk radio shows, because regardless if the Packers win or not, Packers could have win by three touchdowns, and the first three callers would be complaining about, oh, did you see this guy, and he went out of bounds when he shouldn't have, or what about that linebacker who didn't make the play? So it's always, you're kind of wanting to say, they won, they won, they won. Well, I, I did not have an occasion to listen to sports talk radio last night because of the time the game ended, but... I cannot believe that anybody would be calling up and complaining about that performance. The Packers, a resounding win. Started a little bit slowly, but they, they just, the game was never in doubt. And big win over the Minnesota Vikings. What was the final score? 37 to 10. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't close. I mean, so, you know, big, solid victory. Doesn't appear that anybody got hurt. The arch rival Minnesota Vikings get knocked out of the playoffs for the second year in a row. I mean, all is good in Titletown. And, of course, the best thing to come out of the game yesterday is the Packers have now secured home field advantage throughout the playoffs up until the Super Bowl. They've also secured a bye in the first round. The way it works now, and I think people are probably familiar with this, in the National Football League, you've got two conferences. You've got the AFL, you've, you've got the AFC and the NFC. Packers are in the NFC. The top team in the NFC gets a bye in the first round. It's the only team, the top team in each of the different conferences, only the top team gets a bye, and then you know everybody else plays. So the Packers, they've got the bye, and even more importantly, of the road to the Super Bowl runs through Green Bay because whichever teams, as long as the Packers win, they will continue to play at at home. All right. What that's also done is there's a week left in the season. The Packers' final game is on the road against Detroit. And Detroit's a woeful team this year. It seems like Detroit is always a a woeful team. But, you know, regardless, Packers have to go on the road. They have to play next Sunday at noon. You can hear the game here on WTMJ. And then they get a week off. All right. So the question now is, what do the Packers do this coming Sunday? Now, the game means absolutely nothing. 
it doesn't matter if the Packers finish 14 and 3 or 13 and 4. They are going to be the top seed. They are guaranteed home field advantage. The game is completely and totally meaningless as far as their goal of getting to the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter at all. No way, shape, or form. Doesn't matter. So you've got the game coming up against Detroit. The Packers, I think one of the things that's been so amazing this year is that they've been able to achieve the success they have with with having the the injuries that that they've had. I mean, Jair Alexander is probably one of the best three or four cornerbacks, I believe, in the league. He's been out since the third game. David Bakhtiari, the all-pro left tackle, he's been out the entire season. They've tried to bring him back a couple times, but he's had a couple setbacks and knee surgery. The, The list goes on and on and on. And right now, they're thinking that in a couple weeks, by the time the playoffs start, some of these, like all pro players that have been out for a good portion of the season, they might be willing to come back. They might be able to come back. Any Aaron Rodgers, well, Aaron Rodgers got, what, the busted little toe that he's been playing through. Anytime you play football, though, there's always the chance that, you know, you, you could just blow out your knee. You know, you can just be, might not even be a hit. You just kind of like shifting and you make a sudden movement and boom, you know, there goes your knee. So here's the question. Now, I think this is easy, but there are sports writers who disagree with me. So you've got this game coming up on Sunday that is completely and totally meaningless. Doesn't make any difference at all. So the question is, do you play the majority of your regulars? Do you play Aaron Rodgers? Do you play Devontae Adams? Do you play um, Aaron Jones? Do you play A.J. Dillon? Do you play Kenny Clark? Do you play these people that you are going to be depending on to try to get you to the Super Bowl and risk the fact that they may, in fact, get injured, that the Detroit Lions might come out, and the Detroit Lions are always an aggressive team, and they might start blitzing, and the left tackle that you need, suddenly, you know, he blows out his, his ACL or his MCL and he's not around to play or that somebody you know hits up has a blindside hit on Aaron Rodgers and he injures his knee do you play them in a game that is completely and totally meaningless our number 855-616-1620 that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line feel free to disagree but not only would I not play any of these guys I'd be tempted to leave them home back in Green Bay so I wouldn't be tempted to play them I would say that for the vast majority of the stars, this is one where they just sit it out. What do you gain if you play them? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I know one of the sports writers that covers the Packers says, oh, no, you you got to play them. Play them for the first quarter. Play them for the first half to let them stay sharp. Well, okay, they're still going to be off a few weeks. And to me, that makes absolutely no sense at all. Why take the risk? What would you do if you were the head coach? 855-616-1620. Like I say, I'm sitting them all if it's me. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Hey, Brandon from Sheboygan Text. Jeff, play them. Every game counts. That's why these games are played. Every game means something. No game is meaningless, as you say. Thank you. Well, thanks for the text, Brandon. But no, I'm sorry. I completely disagree. This game means absolutely nothing. The only way that this game against Detroit becomes meaningful, unless you're betting on it, is is the fact that if somebody were to get hurt, if, Lord forbid, Aaron Rodgers would get a, a, a hit that puts him out of the playoffs, or Aaron Jones, or any of these key players, then, yes, then the game becomes meaningful. Beyond 
beyond that, nobody is going to care. Does it? Does anybody care whether the Packers finish fourteen and three or thirteen and four? They they play all year to win the NFC North, to have the best record in the conference, to have home field advantage. They have achieved that. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Now, some people are saying, well, maybe they're going to get rusty. Well, okay, think about it. If by that argument, should they turn down the buy? Should they say, well, we we don't want to have a week off because we we might end up getting rusty? In this case, it seems to me it's the ideal situation. You have two weeks off at the end of the year. You can you're still going to be practicing and things like that, but you get a chance to rest your starters and protect them. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Marcus on the north side. Marcus, good afternoon. Hey, happy new year to you. Happy new year to you, sir. What do you think? Hey, uh, I just think real fast is that uh, I disagree with you a thousand percent is that they should play everybody, play the game to its entirety. Because what it's going to mean to to me and to other fans that think like I do is that you're going into the bye week with a hungry attitude. I would look at this game as so that we did not accomplish anything. That is the Bill Belichick montage. And I want that killer instinct. Just because it's it's a, a weaker opponent, the game maybe not mean anything. But I think for my players and for the coaching staff, we coach this game like this is our very first playoff game run. And I think that if you approach it with that mentality and that adrenaline, I think going into that bye week, the Packers will have a leg up when they play that first game versus losing in the first round. Like they, we keep doing all these years. Thank well, you. Okay. Well, that well, Marcus. I guess first, first they're not going to lose in the first round because they, they've got to buy in the first round. You, you say, okay. now I'm not saying the players that you choose to play. Obviously, you you coach them to win. All right. You send Jordan Love out there. You you prepare him to try to win. You expect him to do the best. But let let's imagine a situation where you you put Kenny Clark out there. All right. And all of a sudden, you know, somebody hits him on the knee. He blows out his knee, and the Packers have lost their best defensive player in a game that is completely and totally meaningless. Okay. It, it, where is the trade off? Between that and the whole idea of okay, well, we, you know, we, we we wanted to be aggressive. Well, you you can be aggressive, coach the player. I'm not saying that the players that actually get out on the field should be taught not to play aggressively. That would be silly. But I am saying, if you've got a chance and the game doesn't mean anything, why do you risk? Especially given the nature of what football is, which is violent collisions and people getting injured on the time. Why would you risk? Devonte Adams getting hurt. Why would you risk um, Aaron Jones getting hurt? Why would you risk an, an already thin offensive line? Why would you risk these people getting hurt? That's what you have the backups for. You play the backups. You, you try your best, but you preserve the the ability of that. Jeff, rest the players. That's a huge advantage. Well, they, right. That's that's what I've always thought. I mean, that, that's why you know they, they, everybody treasures the bye weeks, and this is like a double bye week. And look, I, I understand the argument that well, maybe you get a little bit rusty. Well, okay, they're they're going to be quote unquote rusty anyways because they've got the bye week. Does it really make any difference if Aaron Rodgers comes out and and plays a a quarter? or plays like two possessions, or Devontae Adams plays a couple possessions, is that going to really make a difference in whether they're they're rusty or not? Now, if you're suggesting to me that you want them to play the starters till the end in a game that is meaningless as far as what you're trying to accomplish for the year, and somebody gets hurt, well, okay, how are you going to end up explaining that? 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. 
Happy New Year. Same to you, sir. What do you think? What would you do if you were the coach? Well, first of all, I want to say that the Packers made it past the first round last year. They made it to the NFC Championship. So, right. um, Secondly, uh, yeah, I would rest them because, like you said, I would put as many second-string guys as I can in and have them play their best, try to win, sure. but rest the starters. And, I mean, I, I'd be curious to know, you know, how the starters feel about it. I, I would think most of them would, like, prefer the rest, although I thought I heard Aaron Rodgers saying, oh, no, I – I plan on playing, so I don't know exactly. Well, you know that's what they're go- you know what that's what they're going to say. You know, you know, and I would expect them to say nothing different. But you know, privately, especially if one of them gets if one of them gets hurt, you know, Devontae Adams gets you know smashed by some linebacker as he's running one of those crossing patterns, and all of a sudden he's out, and your your chances of going to the Super Bowl are dramatic dramatically decreased. Well, you talk to any of those players then, and they say, "Gosh, I don't understand why Devontae Adams was on the field. It was nuts to put him there." Well, that's the thing. I could see all the Monday morning quarterbacks saying, oh, I wouldn't have played him. I'd, I'd have him sit. All the ones that were saying play him, they'd be like, oh, I don't know why he did that. They shouldn't have played anybody. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. I mean, no, no, thanks for calling. And again, I, no, I, I just, I, I look, and I, I understand that people are saying, well, Jeff, you got to understand, sometimes people are rusty. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, the Brewers... At the end of this year, you know, once they clinched the the playoffs, I think they took the, their foot off the gas. I, I mean, I, I think that they no longer were trying to win as much, and that kind of bled over into the playoffs. But I think that was a little bit different because it, in, in football, you're worried about injuries. I, I think with, with the Brewers, I don't know if it was so much injuries. The, the Brewers had some flaws. Great season, you know, take nothing away from them. Great season, but but they were kind of a flawed team, and I think that they were going through one of their slumps at the end of the year. I don't see any indication that the Packers are, are like that. And I guess for people who argue that, well, you know, you need it or otherwise you're going to be rusty, well, Okay, is it really going to make a difference if Aaron Rodgers plays two series on on Sunday afternoon? Is it really worth the risk to do that? Because he's he's going to be off anyways. I guess if it's me, I'm looking at the key players that I need to have to get to the Super Bowl. And I'm saying, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to put all these guys in a bubble as far as I'm concerned. And I'm going to take really good care of them until we trot them out in three weeks, playing at home against Dallas or Los Angeles or Tampa or wherever we end up playing against. And, and then I, I want them rested. I want them fresh. I want the healthiest team I can put out there. That's, I guess, the goal that, that I'm going for. Jeff, they already played 16 games for keeps to earn the home field. That's phase one. This game means nothing but trouble. Heal your bruises, rest your stars, while the other teams play all their guys with no breaks. Yeah, that that to me is the advantage that you end up getting. Plus, you give your backups a chance. I mean, th- this is this is the game. Let's see what Jordan Love has to do. Has to to do. Let's let's bring the the second teamers off and let's give them a chance to play. And maybe they'll surprise everybody. And maybe the team will do well. But to me, to me, this is like the exhibition season. This is you. You don't you don't play your starters. You know, for entire games in a meaningless exhibition series. You you season. You you don't do that. Why would you do it in a meaningless game here? Now, a couple of people are saying, well, it's not necessarily meaningless because for some of the players, you know, they, they might have individual records and things like that that they want to achieve. Well, I look, I'm sorry. The big picture is 
how do you get this team to the Super Bowl for the first time in 10-plus years? And to me, you do that by not taking any sort of unnecessary risks. If this game, if they had to win the game to get the home field advantage and all this stuff, I, I'd say play Aaron Rodgers throughout. I'd say play you know everybody throughout. Look at what happened yesterday. The game was in control. They, by the middle of the fourth quarter, there was no doubt that the Packers were going to win. Did they still send Aaron Rodgers out there? No. Did they still send Aaron Jones or Devontae Adams out? No, that they sent out the second teamers because it wasn't worth risking injury. To me, this is the absolute total no-brainer, but it will be one of the interesting things to see what happens on Sunday. If I were the coach, like I said at the start of this, not only would they not play, I'd be tempted to leave them all back in Green Bay, so I wouldn't be tempted to put them in. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So, Mike Spaulding, I, I mentioned this to Steve and Carol right before they left, and I've been getting a lot of uh, feedback from, from our audience on this. I, I have in my left hand here, this is my, this is my smartphone. Mm-hmm. It is, it's an Apple 5S. It came out, <laughs> your, your, your eyes just said, <laughs> oh, it, 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 I think I've had it since 2013. I think that's when it, it came out. And it has been a loyal friend of, of mine. It sure. fits in my hand. It fits in my pocket. It does everything that I need it to do. It makes phone calls. I could get texts. I could check the Internet. It takes pictures, not the greatest photos, but it takes photos. It does everything I, I need to do. I've replaced the battery in it twice over the last eight years. and I. But I am thinking as 2022 dawns that it, it, it is maybe time to – Kind of move into the the next generation. The um, the the thing where you you, you put the thing in to charge it. it it's not. It, it's harder. To, I have to jockey sure. it more to get it in there and stuff. So it's kind of becoming an inconvenience. We're we're going out of town relatively soon. I'm thinking, okay, maybe this is the time. Stop off at the Apple Store on the way home and and join the join, join 2022 <laughs> and, and and get a new phone. Is it time? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think so. I uh I use and abuse my phone uh pretty hard for for work and stuff like that. So I'm I'm the person that has to get one. I try and do like every three and a half years. Like I, I really despise the whole phone buying process. Right. If I could have held out on my I think I went from a six to a eight to a twelve or something along those lines. Okay. Uh, so I'm I'm actually jealous that you were able to hold on to a five for this five, long. Five S, right? At five, absolutely. And it's it's and it and it's still. I mean, it's still just absolutely. I mean, again, it works fine. Other than the fact I'm noticing that when I put it in to charge it, it you have to f- fiddle with it a little bit. There's still more life left in the old girl. There's no question about it. But at some point in time, very very soon, Apple's going to stop supporting the whole thing, I guess. And so it, it's sort of inevitable and. I'm thinking maybe maybe today is going to be. The, my, my wife has been mocking me for a couple of years about this too. She's going, why, you know, why why are you holding on to this? So I'm I'm thinking maybe the Apple Store today. Well, good luck first and foremost. Uh, second of all, it's not on a it's not a 3G phone, is it? It doesn't run off 3G as your network anymore. No. Uh, okay. Because no, no. those are going away at the end of the year. Okay, well, I, I said that it doesn't. No, I no. <laughs> okay, so you're good then. So if you didn't want to, I, I get what you're saying. You could still, you could still. I, I could still milk a little bit, but but the bottom line is, I guess it's it's going to 
I, I've gotten a lot of useful life out of it. I should be happy with this and just kind of move on to the next next phase. I think. Are I'm, you Are you going to try and trade it in? <laughs> okay, it's it's a, it's an eight year old five S. I, you know, I my my sense is this is one of the things that like you you've got the nineteen eighty three Chevelle and you you drive it into the car dealer and you say how much am I going to get? Um, you know, so that's Jeff just got an iPhone Mini thirteen Mini. It's not that much bigger than um, than the five S. Yeah, what I'm going to do today is I I don't want the the iPhone Pro. That's too big and yes, it's got it, it's just got too many. It, I I don't need all the bells and whistles. McCure has one of those. He wants the bells and whistles. Um, I, so I'm going to be looking at the, the basic iPhone 13 and the mini. The iPhone 13 is a little bit bigger, a little bit more expensive, but better battery life. So those are the two that I'm going to be looking at. So it was a big deal when we switched phones, my wife and I, because she did the same thing. She nagged me enough to where we went and got new phones uh, without the actual button. I had the button up until uh, right. about a... Well, mine's know. got the button. Yeah, and, yeah, and I, I missed it. Um, but you get used to like... The feel it has in your pocket, the feel it has in your hand, and that was my biggest um, nitpick with everything. Was like I gotta find like now not only a new case and all that kind of stuff, but like a new way to hold it in my hand because it's just a little bit bigger, but big enough to where it kind of throws you off. Feels different in your pocket, doesn't fit in everything like like the old one did. So that was my big sticking point outside of the price tag of a new cell phone. The uh, Having to like refamiliarize myself with everything was like my biggest holdup. Well, yeah, that's that's always the case. That, that that's always the case. It's like, okay, is this because you know it's going to be? I, I try to. I, I'll use my wife's phone. She's got a twelve, I think, and yeah, she got a twelve. And I, I do admit that I, I still have to ask her how to do certain things. It's like, okay, where's the button? There's no button. Oh, you just <laughs> swipe up here. I, I'm told it's very easy, and uh, as long as it's a little bit intuitive. But all right. Okay, so that's just another vote for yes. Now, a lot of our listeners are saying, I can't believe you still have a 5S. Well, you know. I I personally, I think a little bit of me tells me you should just ride it out until the end with the 5 and just <laughs> see how long you can uh, you can go with it. Uh, Jeff, when you bought your phone, almost nobody knew who Giannis was in the NBA world. <laughs> Get a new one. Maybe maybe that's kind of the, the test. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers was just starting off his career as the Packers, and now look where you are. Um, that's it. Jeff, you will love the iPhone 13. I had the 7, and the adjustment was one day. Go for it. Okay, so we'll... We'll at least explore stuff. I think I'll stop off at the Apple store on the way home from work and just kind of kind of get a feeling for this. I will dip my toe in, and who knows, tomorrow maybe I'll have the new phone that I'll be showing off. Yeah, absolutely. No, I wish you the best of luck in, in your endeavors <laughs> post-show today. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's it. All right, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, speaking of product placement and endorsements, everybody knows the story of the Let's Go Brandon chant, right? Okay, for those of you who might not be familiar with it. Um, Brandon Brown is a 28-year-old NASCAR stock car driver. Nobody, very few people outside the world of NASCAR knew who he was. All right, October 2nd, he wins a race at Talladega, Alabama at their Speedway. He's being interviewed, you know, after the race. And you have a bunch of people in the crowd. So it's on live TV, and they are chanting blank Joe Biden, except they're they're not saying blank Joe Biden. They're saying a bad word. And it's clear what they're chanting, and it's clear that it's going out over TV, et cetera, et cetera. So after the, the interview, the commentator on, I believe, NBC says, oh, they, they were chanting, let's go, Brandon. Well, they weren't chanting, let's go, Brandon. They were chanting this, this other stuff. So 
Let's Go Brandon has become the the meme, as it were, for, you know, people who want to say something rude to the president. But do you say, let's go, Brandon, instead? All right. So that's the background of this. And some people have their just have their undies in a complete and total bundle. Oh, how awful that is. This is so upsetting. This is just absolutely terrible, to which I say you, you really kind of need to get a life. I mean, I, I remember the the lady and I talked about this about a week or so ago. Remember, she became just the darling of the Internet and the left a few years back when the Trump motorcade is passing and she's on her bike and she makes an obscene gesture at the president. Well, she was just, oh, this is great. You know, you're you're commenting. You're saying these things to the president, but that's when it was Trump. So when it was Trump, you could say anything you wanted. You know, Robert De Niro goes on national television and drops the F-bomb, you know, talking about Donald Trump. That's okay. Donald, that, that's it because it's Trump. But, you know, something that I, I, I think is harmless, but admittedly, you know, moderately disrespectful. Oh, you can't say that to Joe Biden. This is just absolutely terrible. And then, of course, I, I've been doing the show long enough to remember – for example, the things that people said to George W. Bush, you know, in, in the, you know, when after the, the war in Iraq and things like that, it was pretty much, you know, anything you wanted to say to George Bush, well, that, that would, or say about George Bush, that you got a chance to, to do that. And, you know, nobody had second thoughts. But now the phrase, let's go, Brandon, at least among some people, has been, oh, this is just terrible. It's awful. It's divisive. It shows how crude the culture has become. And to which I say, not really. I, th- I think you need to kind of lighten up, Francis, when it comes to that stuff. Well, anyhow, here, here's the deal. Um, when it comes to NASCAR, it is one of those industries that will sell anything. You know, that that's it. They make money on not just viewers and not just tickets, but they make money on sponsorships. So there's this little-known cryptocurrency. You know, Bitcoin is the most popular, most well-known cryptocurrency, but there's thousands and thousands of them. There's a, a cryptocurrency called LGB coin, right? You've never heard of it. Nobody's ever heard of it. It's near valueless. They cut a deal. They say, here's the deal. We want to sponsor Brandon Brown, and, and we want to put the slogan, all right, let's go Brandon on his race car. We we want to adopt that slogan. We want to sponsor him and we want to have it say like let's go Brandon sponsored by LGB coin. All right? And so they announce it. Well, as soon as they announce it, NASCAR suddenly, all right, all of a sudden starts to pull back and they say, well, you know, even though that this the sponsorship had been approved, now now there's some questions about whether or not they're going to Go ahead with this. And their concern is that, gee, if we go ahead and allow this sponsor to put Let's Go Brandon on the cars, this might be viewed as being divisive. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should NASCAR allow this valueless cryptocurrency to come in and sponsor the car using the slogan, Let's Go Brandon, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My answer is, you bet they should. But what do you think? We discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're just tuning in, the the at least some members of of the left are absolutely outraged that the slogan "Let's Go Brandon," which is a 
has become sort of a meme for, you know, a, a derogatory comment towards Joe Biden, that, that it's become part of the popular culture. And they're just offended. And everybody talks about, oh, this is just it's just awful. This shows the coarsening of the culture. But yet when people make obscene gestures at Donald Trump's motorcade, they, they become instant celebrities. And when celebrities go on TV and use use actually that language to describe former President Trump. They're hailed as, oh, these are the people that are speaking truth to power. So there is this kind of disconnect that's out there. So the story now, and this is the new development, is there's this there's this cryptocurrency. And if you are a listener of this program, you know that I don't get cryptocurrency. To me, it's a giant Ponzi scheme, but but that's okay. Um, a little-known cryptocurrency called LGB Coin that wants to sponsor Brandon Brown, who is the Brandon of the Let's Go Brandon thing. They want to put Let's Go Brandon on the side of the race car. They want to sponsor this. And NASCAR is backing, or they haven't said no, but they've apparently backed off a little bit. Um, the Again, the, the, the politicians, for example, political analyst Larry J. Sabato, director of the University of Virginia Center for Politics, encouraged NASCAR to reject the plan. Let's go, Brandon. It's nothing more than a rude middle finger to President Biden by Trump supporters. And there's no question that NASCAR fans are dis- disproportionately pro-Trump, though. But for the most part, NASCAR is trying to disassociate itself with partisan nastiness. So let's hope they nix this sponsorship deal. This is not the image NASCAR should want to project. Really? I, I mean, at some point in time, don't we um, don't we want to say, just you got to kind of lighten up about this stuff. Jeff, are we going to insist that Brandon change his name so people aren't offended? Brandon did nothing wrong. I think people should end up leaving him alone. Um, yes. No, they shouldn't allow this. Imagine being a parent of a young NASCAR fan and having to explain the meaning of the saying. Well, to which my response was, well, well if, if you've got a young NASCAR fan who doesn't understand this and isn't familiar with this and hasn't been following this on the Internet, you just say, let's go, Brandon, means let's go, Brandon. <laughs> they're, they're, this is this particular sponsorship that is trying to um, I- encourage him to do well. Um, Jeff, I'm on the left here, and I think they should absolutely let them do this. Um, you know, I think it's an infantile meme, and this just exposes that. Well, okay, that's it. Jeff, I have the hat and the shirt. Let's go, Brandon. Nothing wrong with it. Every football and basketball chant fan chanted, let's go, Brandon. But yeah, I think they should sponsor it and say, let's go, Brandon. That's what Matt ends up saying. Um, 855-616-1620. No, they shouldn't put let's go, Brandon anymore, but they should put blank you, Trump. Well, okay, and I I understand people feel that way, and that that's that's all well and good. But I would argue that "Let's Go Brandon" is a lot less offensive than again the woman who became famous for making the obscene gesture at the president's motorcade, or certainly you know some of the vocal celebrities who thought that there were absolutely no standards when it came to I don't know talking about President Trump. What can you say? This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, Tom Barrett on his way to Luxembourg, 
soon, if not already. Cavalier Johnson, the new mayor of the city of Milwaukee, uh, at least for a, a few months, going to be a heated primary is coming up. And, and he's all about, you know, talking about the unacceptable continuation of gun violence that marred 2021. And I think Johnson hopefully recognizes the problem that's there. Uh, the, the Journal Sentinel is reporting 197 homicides in the city, which is an unthinkable record. I, I think actually the real number is is like over 200, but I, I don't want to quibble. 197 over 200 doesn't matter. Unacceptably high. And I, I do think it's and I've, this is one of the things I was very critical of Tom Barrett about. I think that for the last couple of years, he was just punched out, had, had run out of ideas. So, you know, now we've got a new mayor, at least for a few months, who's going to be aggressive with at least talking the, the talk. What do you end up doing? Well, to me, again, it's all about accountability. And I'll be curious, will the new mayor be willing to call out the district attorney when we plea bargain cases, will he be willing to call out the district attorney in the courts when they issue or recommend ridiculously low sentences, when they re- recommend and allow ridiculously low bails? Will the mayor use the bully pulpit to try to hold people accountable? And will the mayor start holding the juvenile system accountable as well, which is where a huge amount of the problems are? Because that's the start. Now, keep in mind, if Cavalier Johnson does that, he's going to get on the wrong side of some people who don't believe that we should be holding criminals accountable. But things aren't going to get better in Milwaukee unless you, in fact, do it. And, I mean, I sent out I sent out a tweet um, on January 1st because January 1st had the first homicide of, of the year, multiple shootings. And then yesterday, it, it just doesn't get worse than this, if you haven't heard it, um, 51st and Capitol not really that far from where we're sitting now, 1025 at night, 16-year-old girl was murdered. Uh, she was at a, I think she was working at the Burger King restaurant that's there. It appears that it was a, a burglary that, that went um, bad, related to a robbery of a Burger King location on that block. 16-year-old girl is dead. So that's at least two homicides, two days into January, and it's a 16-year-old kid. If you think that the problems with violence in Milwaukee, the record number of car thefts and all that, if you think that this was just oh some aberration that was brought on by COVID, you got to get your head out of the sand. It is the number one issue that affects all the people who want to be the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. And whenever you hear any of them talking about things, the very first question should be, what is your plan to reduce the unacceptable level of violence, car thefts, and crime in the community? And if they can't give you a simple plan in, I'd say, about three sentences, you need to end up moving on. It's not really that hard. We've got to get crime down. It's unacceptable. We've got to start holding people accountable and calling out people when they don't. And by the way, the folks that think that we should defund the police, they're nuts. That's four or five sentences, but you get my point. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Today is January 3rd. Later this week will be January 6th, and it will be the one-year anniversary, if you want to use that word, of the attack on the Capitol. It it really, in in some respects, it seems like it was just yesterday. In other respects, it seems like it it was forever. But it's certainly a a day that lives in infamy. I don't think anybody, regardless of where you are on the political spectrum, nobody can, can deny that. And I can remember... 
I remember doing this show and sitting here and there was the rally in the morning about, you know, the people who, you know, didn't think that Donald Trump had lost the election and all the stop the steal sort of silliness. And yes, it, it, it is silliness. Don, Donald Trump lost that. And I can remember watching in the morning um, the, the coverage of Donald Trump going and addressing the crowd and all the protesters. And, and, and that, that was all fine. And then, of course, you saw it ratchet up where people decided to storm the Capitol. Now, let us put this in perspective. Not everyone, as a matter of fact, the number of people who actually stormed the Capitol, that is, broke in, created all the, the carnage, the number of people that did that were a small percentage of the people who went to Washington for the rally, but it was not an insignificant per- percentage. And I think it's tough to just kind of d- dismiss that, as some people want to do. It's sort of like saying, well, you know, the, the number of people who went to, you know, Kenosha um, a year ago last August and engaged in the rioting, well, th- that was a small percentage of the overall number of people who were protesters. And, and, and that might actually be true as well, but it doesn't change the fact that you had this riot. That, that, that broke out, and there were enough people that caused that rioting and all the damage to raise significant concerns. Similarly, I think the same thing you can say about the Capitol. Even if you accept the premise that the overwhelming majority of people who were in Washington that day didn't end up storming the Capitol, didn't go with any intent to do that, and were probably appalled by what happened, it doesn't change the fact that you had hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of people. I think uh, last I saw that they had identified and were either charging or in the process of charging about 750 people. And I, I'm sure that there were actually more than that that were involved. But but it was a percentage of the overall people that were there. Well, anyhow, as, as we look back on this after after a year, there's all sorts of divergent opinions about this. And there's all these polls that are out there. And they're, they're, they're asking some of these broad-based questions like, okay, did you consider this to be an attack on, on the government? Um, do you believe that rioters be prosecuted and things of, of the like? And I guess my answer would be, you know, anybody that broke the law, whether it would have been in Kenosha in, in August of 2020 or, you know, at the Capitol in January 6th, anybody who broke the law it deserves to be prosecuted and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. But but it is interesting to me that beyond be, beyond that, and I think I think what I just said are things that reasonable people should be able to agree on. First of all, the people that stormed the Capitol, the people that engaged in property damage or assaults or whatever, they, they should be prosecuted. I don't can, I, I don't think anybody can legitimately argue that. Secondly, I, I also think it can't legitimately be argued that that the vast majority of people who went to Washington did not go with the intent of storming the Capitol, and they didn't do that. So it's you have a, a subset, and we can argue with how about how large the subset is, but you have a subset of the the general protesters who who broke off and engaged in the violence, just like you had a subset of the people who went to Kenosha to protest who broke off and engaged in the rioting. All right. There's a there's a couple larger questions here, and it really kind of defines how people view what happened almost a year ago. And it really seems to me that people fit into one of two camps. On the one side, people believe that this was a massive conspiracy that was designed for the purpose of overthrowing the United States government. On the flip side... There's people who think that this was a relative handful, and I'm not, 
I, I obviously, like I say, but 700, 800 people have already been charged, but, but out of thousands and thousands and thousands of people, a relative handful, but still a significant number that, but a relative handful of yahoos who were hell bent on destruction and simply got out of control, but really weren't part of some massive conspiracy to overthrow the government. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, as as you think about this, with the hindsight of, of a year, how do you view what happened on January 6th? Are you in that camp that says massive conspiracy, it had been plotted, it was organized, maybe even to the highest levels of government, and this was designed to overthrow the government? Or the flip side, was this a relative handful of yahoos, <laughs> And that's the word that's coming to mind, who were fired up by Donald Trump, who bought into this, the election was stolen stuff, and then just simply got out of control. 855-616-1620, or was it something in between? How do you view what happened almost a year ago on January 6th? We discuss in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I'm fascinated by the January 6th story because I, I'm fascinated by the way that, that some people see this. And I guess it, it, it fits into your, your, your view of, of the world. For example, one of our texters, uh, Jeff, the, 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 you, you can't believe that most of the people that came to Washington to engage in those protests were law-abiding. You can't possibly believe that. Well, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people that came to Washington. The overwhelming majority of them might be misguided with results of, with regard to the outcome of the election, but the overwhelming majority of them did not storm into the Capitol. Yes, hundreds and hundreds of people did. That was appalling. I don't know if the purpose was... I don't know, to, to riot or insurrection or whatever. I, I don't really care because they deserve to be prosecuted. They, they were wrong. Whatever their motivation was, whether it was just, hey, this is fun, we're going to go in, or we're going to try to take over government or whatever, they, they all deserve to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, put in jail, no sympathy at all. But the question becomes, are, are they yahoos, or was this part of a formal plot that was hatched all across the country to really go and try to overthrow the government, in which case you want to talk about the gang that couldn't shoot straight. Now, I do think it is very fair fair under any interpretation to criticize Donald Trump and his reaction for this and the, the idea that while this was happening, despite the fact that you had people inside the Capitol and outside the Capitol who were begging him to reach out and publicly disavow this and tell his followers and acolytes to knock it off, he, he, he chose not to do it for hours. And I think that's something that will forever that that will be an active mark, mark of shame that will forever hang around the neck of Donald Trump. There, so there's no there's no way to downplay the significance of that. But I understand there's this worldview out there that thinks it's this massive conspiracy that had been plotted and hatched, and and this is what we're going to do. We're going to take over the government. In in which case, if that was the true, I mean, you're talking about it. Really, is kind of the gang that couldn't shoot straight. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, do I think that there might have been some? loosely affiliated group of kooks like some of the the proud boys or or whatever that thought 
well, you know, I don't know what they were thinking, but said, oh, we're, we're going to get inside the Capitol. We're going to do this. I, I guess that that is entirely possible. But was this this organized thing where you had tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of Americans who really thought they were going to overthrow the government? No, I, I don't think that's what the evidence showed. I, I think what you had here is an out of control group that should have been reined in, should not have been fired up, um, did stuff that was absolutely appalling and needs to be held accountable because as bad as it, as it was, it could have been even worse. So that's not downplaying it, but I don't know, it's January 6th commission looking for this massive national or international conspiracy. I, I, I'm not sure that that's what this was at all. I tend to think it was hundreds of loosely affiliated yahoos who quickly got out of control and should have been reined in. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, I think they were big lie believers who were committed to follow Trump's speech, telling them to fight to save our democracy and stop the vote confirmation. Um, I do believe that there were plans to protest and hundreds of loony birds invited a riot. Trump needs to accept that the uprising was caused by his words and his lies. Well, I, I do think, I, I mean, I, the, the idea that there, you know, I think, again, I believe that the vast majority of people who were there were there to protest what they thought was the stop the steal. I think they were misguided with that. I think the vast majority of people there did not have any intention of overthrowing the government, which is not, again, to minimize those who did decide to storm into the Capitol. Jeff, I think they were right-wing radicals that planned it, um, just like the dumbbells who were going to kidnap the governor of um, Michigan. Yeah, I think that that's that's true, too. You had like a dozen of these kooks that are out there. My friend thinks it was left-wing radicals who wanted to discredit Trump. No, I don't believe that at all. Um, let's see, 855-616-1620. Jeff, I think it was the result of a deep state setup. No, I don't think it was that case at all. Um, 855-616-1620. Um, Jeff, I think it was an attempt to toss out a fair election. I think it was organized. Well, I guess the question would become organized by, by whom? You had people in the vast majority who came to Washington who were there to protest what they thought was an unfair election, a premise which, by the way, I do not agree with. But they were there to protest that. I think the vast majority of people came to Washington that day had, yes, they intended to protest. They did not intend that they were going to storm the Capitol and create the disruption that they did and to riot. In this country, we have the right to protest. People on the left have the right to protest, and they exercise that all the time. People on the right have the opportunity to protest. Simply going to Washington, D.C. to protest what you believe is the results of an unfair election is not a crime. You might be misguided, and I think in this case those people were, but that's not the crime. The crime is when you take it that next step and you storm the Capitol and you engage in the riot, and like I say, just like, you know, what, What's happened in California and what happens in Portland and what happened in Kenosha and what happened in Madison, when people cross that line between peaceful protest and destruction of property, insurrection, whatever you want to call it, that's when, you know, people have to be held accountable. Jeff, I agree with you. I think these were total yahoos with a few little organized parts. Unfortunately, a lot of yahoos are now calling themselves Republican. I do not identify with any of them. 
um, 855-616-1620. Jeff, I agree with your perspective on this as well. I just think you have to have a balancing of this and there's there's people that want to see it both either way that oh this was thousands and thousands and thousands of people in this deep-seated conspiracy i don't think that was the case or people want to say no big deal well it was a big deal it, it was a big deal especially for the hundreds and hundreds of people who were involved and engaged in the riot and the insurrection and there's no apologies for him and like i said i think former president trump um he, he's got to share some responsibility for whipping up the crowd and for peddling some of the theories that he was peddling that fired up this crowd and actually ended up hurting the Republican Party in a big way. Trump has to be held accountable for that. But for people who are out there selling the notion that this was that this organized plot that involved thousands and thousands and thousands of people, I, I just I think that that's, again, viewing stuff through your own political mindset. Um, this, to me, was a significant, statistically significant number of yahoos who deserve to be held accountable, but massive conspiracy designed to overthrow the government. Well, you look at some of these people that were the so-called ringleaders of, of this plot. I, I, you know, they couldn't agree on what to order for lunch, much less what they were going to do. It was, again, I think an illegal act that completely and totally got out of control. Well, with the start of 2022, brings us into, yes, it's that time again. We have an election season coming up. This spring, you will have the um, the various nonpartisan elections, and the big one around here is, of course, going to be the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. There are, at last count, I think there's 10 people who are either seriously considering or already announced to, to run for mayor. Um, and it's going to be an, an absolute and total free-for-all. And anybody who tells you who's going to emerge from a nine- or ten-way primary is just a- absolutely guessing on that. And then, of course, in the fall, you're going to have the partisan elections. In Wisconsin, it's big because you've got uh, the U.S. Senate seat of Ron Johnson it, that's up for grabs. Uh, Senator Johnson is going to announce in the very near future whether he's running again. My instincts, and he has not told me this, but my instincts say he's going to run again. You've got at least four or five announced challengers to him. That's going to be a very, very, it's going to be a bloodbath in the Democratic primary. The Johnson seat is viewed as one of the most vulnerable nationally. We'll, we'll see. People have underestimated Ron Johnson if he chooses to run again. Both times when he ran against Russ Feingold, when he beat Feingold, and then when he ran in the rematch uh, about six years ago, people thought Johnson had no chance to win, and he's benefited by being underestimated. Then, of course, you've got the governor's race. Tony Evers is running. It appears that the Republican challenger is going to be Rebecca Clayfish. That will be certainly up for grabs as well. And, And once we get past the November elections, everybody's going to start looking forward to two years from November, which is the president race. I bring this up because there was a poll that was released on Friday um, by Reuters Ipsos, and it asked Republicans, who would you support as the Republican nominee for president? Now, this is three years from now, and, and three years is just, it's a, a universe of time in politics. But for better or worse, and perhaps to no surprise, Donald Trump, 54% of Republicans picked Donald Trump. They want to see him run again. Second place, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. He had 11%. Third place, uh, former Vice President Mike Pence. And uh, then 
it drops off dramatically. Nikki Haley, 4%. Ted Cruz, 3%. Got a Ted Cruz story coming up in the next hour of the show. But, but at least right now, the overwhelming number of Republicans think that they want to see Trump run again, which I would think, and my overall question when I saw that is, do Republicans have no interest in winning in 2024? Because regardless of how you feel about Donald Trump, regardless about whether you think his presidency was the greatest thing since canned beer or whether you think he was an absolute and total disaster, just from an objective standpoint, is there anybody out there who realistically thinks that Donald Trump, who lost to Joe Biden, yes, he lost to Joe Biden in November of 2020, is is going to be able to win in 20? 24 after all the stuff that happened on January 6th and after the the months that were spent denying the legitimacy of the election I mean what what's Trump going to do 3 years from now that he didn't do when he was president to get himself reelected that's the question that I have of this I understand why people might say gee we love Donald Trump we'd like him to run again but my question would be do, do you have no hope of winning all right back with more in just a couple minutes don't go anywhere Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Melissa Barkley, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Jeff. When's the last time you saw a movie in a movie theater? I actually, strangely, you asked that, I watched one on New Year's Eve. And which, so you went, you went, you actually went to I the movies? I went to a theater, yeah, we what, went to uh, the Downer Theater. And what'd you see? We saw Belfast. Okay. And I loved it. All right. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Well, well here's, here, here's my story. I, um, uh, I think it was Wednesday. So I was off Thursday and Friday. So I think Wednesday afternoon might have been Thursday. But in any, Wednesday or Thursday, I, I reached out to my wife and she was being the Energizer Bunny that she typically is. I said, <laughs> Let, let's have a date. There, yeah. There's a show playing at the, the Marcus North Shore, 4 o'clock, and the, the movie Licorice Pizza, have you heard about uh, this? We were going to go see that, but we didn't. Okay, so, I mean, Licorice Pizza, it, it debuted uh, in Los Angeles, and it's been getting all these rave reviews, and it's set in the 1970s, and it's kind of like, like the, it's, it's billed as like the it's new like American graffiti, sort of thing? it's coming-of-age yeah. thing, set in, you know, 1970-whatever in, in Los Angeles, and it's getting all these great reviews and mm-hmm. it stars um philip seymour hoffman who passed away a couple of years ago his son in his first performance and bradley there. cooper bradley cooper bradley is cooper. it bradley cooper plays uh john peters the movie producer and boyfriend of at the time donald's barbara streisand so anyway so anyway i but it, it sounds i love those kind of things set in the 70s you know i i, I love those kind of coming of age movies and stuff mm-hmm. and and my wife had, Fran had, had knew nothing about it. So let, let's okay. go see this. I think this is going to be the kind of thing that you like. It's sort of a romantic comedy in a way, coming of age, etc. Great. So we we go and we we go in. Got into the matinee prices. Watched it. It's awful. I was going to say, okay, I looked at the trailer, and after watching the trailer, it, I was like, mm, now I'm good. It's it's <laughs> no. it's absolutely <sighs> off. Well. Okay, I was going to say absolutely awful. Let me just say awful. <laughs> you know, it's just it's it's weird. It's I, I I mean, and I don't I I just Do you feel like your expectations were just so well, different? Well, could be. I, I thought yeah. right, I thought it was going to be I, I thought it was going to be funnier. I yeah. thought it was going to be warmer. It was just it was odd. And <laughs> and but it's I'm thinking yeah. I mean, I remember walking out of there and Fran is looking at me like 
explain to me why we're here and why you thought this was good. I'm not, I've got all these great reviews. Yes. They're talking about this is going to be up for Oscars. And I'm like, huh. I, she said, this would be up for Oscars. I said, well, now that I've seen it, I, I'm kind of with you and stuff. So. so it's interesting. I watched several movies over the weekend. Some of them I could just click like on right, Netflix sure. and stuff like that. Watch The Lost Daughter. It's like the directorial debut for uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. And again, I walked away. It gets rave reviews. It's good cinematically, right. but when you get done with it, it kind of makes you. It's it's a, kind of makes you feel yucky in a way. Yeah. like you have to kind of like brush off the yuck. Yeah. But, um, but the movie itself, strange. Yeah, strange. It, well, it's I, I just so I go to see Licorice Pizza. So we're at four o'clock showing and again. I don't know Wednesday or Thursday afternoon, whatever that was. There were like eight people in know, the right? theater. Yeah, you know, it was six and ours. Right, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was kind of it. But but again, I, I was just it was one of those where I was extremely disappointed. Just what got me thinking about this. I just saw an ad on whatever TV monitors for it. It just I was really looking forward to this. Oh, I hate that. And, and yeah. I went in and it was just kind of like, huh. It's just again, was it awful? No, did I want to walk out, you know, halfway in? Was I offended? No, but it was kind of like I kept watching it thinking, this is going to, this is going like to get better. Oh, there's no question yeah. about it. It was a waste oh, yeah. of time and it was definitely a waste of money for the popcorn and stuff. So that's it. Okay. Now, during your news, you were talking about Betty White and that was, of yes. course, the story, Betty White passing away at the age of 99. Um, th- this is this weird piece of trivia. Now, you're familiar with the Mary Tyler Moore show, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. The last year, 2021, four major cast members for the Mary Tyler Moore Show passed away. Four. I, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it was Betty White passed away. Um, and Ed then Asner. Ed Asner, right. Ed Asner passed away. Um, he played Lou Grant. He was mm-hmm. uh, he died on August 29th. You know the other two? Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb. I know the lady that had the brain cancer. Uh, not- no, that was Valerie Harper. No, Valerie Harper. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. So last year, Cloris Leachman, oh, Cloris who played Leachman. Phyllis, but I mean, she was she was a movie star in her own right. You know, in the yeah. last picture show and stuff like that. She died on January 27th, and then one hint: the Love Boat. Gavin McLeod, who played, he played oh, yeah, the captain on the love mm-hmm. boat. That guy, yes. With the played, short shorts on the love boat. <laughs> right. He played, he played Murray Slaughter, the writer. Mm-hmm. He died on May 29th. Oh, that's so, so sad. Four, four of the principal cast members passed away. And then, uh, in 2021, in 2019, Georgia Engel, who played, uh, Georgette Baxter, the Ted Baxter character's wife, um, she passed away, and Valerie Harper, who we were thinking of, mm-hmm. um, she passed away in 2019. Mary, um, Tyler Moore died in 2017, and Ted Knight passed away oh. in 1986. Yeah. So, bottom line is, all the major cast members have now all died from that, that mm-hmm. show, which mm-hmm. shows the kind of time marches is on there's a couple supporting players who were for left but in general with betty white's passing it's that that whole show is pretty much everybody's now died you know i think betty white's passing really hit people in a different way betty white was kind of everybody's kind of go-to older lady kind of grandma-ish but like still had spunk and funk and was funny and was still hip and doing stuff and you know she wasn't sick so it really came to a surprise to everybody because i got my people magazine in the mail and it said Happy 100th birthday, Betty yeah, White! Yeah, with a big and picture then, of her. And then yeah, she died. I was like, no. Yeah, you talk. You talk about the like the Sports Illustrated right. jinx. That yes. was that was that mm. there, that was there as well. But now it's and again, I, 
I mean, she hadn't been sick or anything, but mm-hmm. you're 99 years old. It was the same yeah. thing with John Madden. There were all these tributes over the weekend. I mean, John Madden died at the age of 85, and it was a, a surprise, but I guess you reach a certain point where it, it shouldn't be a surprise yeah. necessarily. But I just thought it was so weird that 2021 claimed so many members of the cast of that, of that one TV particular show. show. Yeah, I agree. It was interesting. Well, Betty White, sail on, rest in peace. Back with more in just a minute. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Hey, are you wondering what 2022 will have in store? Well, join WTMJ on Wednesday, January 12th. That is a week from this Wednesday for a day-long broadcast on the topics that impact your everyday life, politics, the economy, health, and more. I'm going to be doing segments on the economy and health, as a matter of fact. You can hear from big-name guests like Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers and Milwaukee Mayor Cavalier Johnson. It's the WTMJ 2022 on January 12th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., presented by Annex Wealth Management and sponsored by the Bartolotta Restaurant. More information at WTMJ.com. Let me um, also just mention something because I've gotten a couple emails on this. Um, this WTMJ 2022, it, it, the, a version of this we started years ago. We used to call it Insight, and Charlie Sykes did it, and I did it. And, and now we've got WTMJ 22 that involves you know the, the entire on-air staff, and, and we make it a, a big event. Um that's in general, we, we try to open it to the public. We weren't able to do that last year because of COVID. This year, the plan was to, again, ha- have it public, um, tickets available, you know, people could come down and, and watch the show. Unfortunately, because of, again, you know, COVID, when COVID sucks, because of, of the pandemic, the decision was made actually today that we're, we're going to just keep it in house. It's not going to be open to the public. You will be able to hear it on, on the radio and, you know, we're going to still have the same array of guests. We're just not going to be able to do it, um, in front of a live audience. And, and trust me, nobody's more disappointed about that than I am, but it was a decision that was made. Well, I don't know if it's a higher pay level than mine, but certainly at a different pay grade than mine. But in any event, that that was the decision. So I know some people were saying, well, we, you know, we wrote in, we were trying to get tickets or whatever. We, we're, we're bringing it in-house again. Hopefully, WTMJ 2023 will be back to normal and allow us to, again, start doing some of these public events that we've unfortunately had to cancel because of uh, COVID. All right, speaking of that, if you were flying anywhere over the course of well really the last 10 days or so but but specifically like the last weekend you know good luck with that because well here's the deal um more than 3000 flights canceled or delayed today um yesterday more than 2500 flights were canceled or delayed 2 days ago 1900 flights were canceled or delayed so you're you're having massive changes to airline schedules and people having their flights canceled and actually being told it's going to be several days before you can rebook so what's going on well there's two things first of all there there's a big storm we, we had the storm, what, a couple days ago? We had the storm, what, Saturday night? Um, and, and we actually, I know you got six or seven inches in the southern part of our listening area, but it, it was much worse, for example, through Illinois, hit O'Hare big time. That storm moved east, and it's just pounding the east coast. So you've got lots of flights canceled there. And in addition to the weather delays, you, you have the situation that is going on with, with COVID. And I, I keep saying this because... I, there is, in my opinion, there is a silver lining here. I, I am I am convinced that vaccinated, boosted, whatever, 
I, I'm convinced that almost all of us are going to get COVID again with it, with this new variant. Now, the good news is if you are vaccinated and or boosted and you get COVID, your chances of being severely ill are, are very, very small unless you fit into one of those high risk categories. And maybe even then I said at the start of the show, I know more people in the last three weeks who've come down with COVID than got COVID and for the first year and a half. And in every case, there are people who were vaccinated and were vaccinated and boosted. Now, the good news is people I know who have it range in age from 16 or 17 through their upper 80s and, and no one has been seriously ill, which is, of course, the, the blessing. And and maybe that that's the answer. You get vaccinated, you get boosted, you get exposed to this, you test positive, you have very, very mild symptoms, and then hopefully you have that, that immunity. And maybe in the, sh- in the long run, this is what it's going to take to get us back to some sense of normal and get, for most people, COVID being like another virus like the cold or the flu not there yet but at some point in time maybe we're maybe there is light at the end of the tunnel maybe it's not a train coming the other way but right now we're getting through we're in the middle of the situation where it seems that everybody is getting COVID, and that's hitting the airlines particularly hard because the airlines are already running you know short-staffed that was one of the effects of COVID. when COVID took on air travel People stopped traveling. The airlines grounded planes. They laid off flight crews, etc. And they've been in the process of bringing them back. It's been a slow process. And so the airlines have always been very, very vulnerable because they, they don't have the same degree of backup crews, etc. that they used to have. So they've been really vulnerable to, to bad weather or whatever. Now you've got a situation just like healthcare, just like so many other businesses, where people are, are getting diagnosed with COVID, thankfully, in many cases, not having to be hospitalized or things like that. But nevertheless, they, they can't come into work um, for they've got a quarantine for four or five days. And if you're an airline pilot, you got a quarantine, that means you're not flying. And the airlines don't have somebody they can just put into that cockpit. So the, the flights end up getting canceled. Same thing true with flight crews, etc. So between the weather and COVID, you had just thousands and thousands of flights that are have been canceled. And I guess the real issue is, is that going to change over the course of the next couple of weeks? Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you are planning air travel, say, in the next month, are you concerned that the flights are going to get canceled or that even if you get on your flight, you're going to get stuck somewhere and not be able to get back. 855-616-1620. Over the weekend, I saw a tweet from former Governor Scott Walker, and he was saying, hey, you, you wake up in the morning, you find your flights canceled, and you find that there's nothing available for the next three days. Don't exactly know where he was. But I, I guess I, I could sympathize. I don't have any plane trips scheduled for the next you know several weeks. But I think if I did, I'd be a little bit concerned about this because I think right now we are at the worst of of what I think the, the COVID outbreak is. As more and more people get it, the numbers increase exponentially. Thankfully, at least so far, if you're vaccinated and or you're boosted, the, the odds of you having to go to the hospital are very, very low. And that's the good news. But, you know, short term, you know, if you're in quarantine, 
doesn't help you if you're an airline. 855-616-1620. Are you concerned about air travel in the course of the next few weeks? Or have you gotten caught up with this mess with canceled flights over the last couple of days? 855-616-1620. We discuss. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, here are the raw numbers as of, of yesterday, and, and they're, they're going up. SkyWest Airlines, which operates regional regional flights for United, Delta, American, and Alaska Airlines, they've canceled 18% of their scheduled flights. Southwest has canceled 7%, but, but that's as of last night. I think that number is going to go up dramatically. Delta has canceled 6% of their flights. JetBlue Airways, which is based out of New York, they've canceled 16% of their flights. They've also proactively announced that they're canceling 1,300 flights into mid-January due to staffing issues, and they say the number is going to grow until the case counts start to come down. American Airlines canceled 4%, but, but that's, again, we don't have the full effect of what's been going on with the weather. Bottom line of all this is, this is, I mean, this real impact that COVID is having. Again, the good news is you, you don't have people heading to the hospital in proportion to the, the number of people that are coming down with COVID. That's the advantage of getting, you know, vaccinated. Somebody said, well, what's the point of getting vaccinated if you're going to get it anyways? Well, the, the point is, if you're vaccinated and or you, you've had your booster, if you get it, the chances of you having to be hospitalized are, are dramatically lower Probably, I don't want to say non-existent, but but that's not that's not what the problem is. The people in the hospitals are the unvaccinated ones, and it, it's a. I would argue that it's a good trade-off, and maybe this is what we need to do to get through this. But bottom line is, if you're planning to travel anywhere over the course of the next couple weeks, I think it's going to be a particularly rocky time. That is, if you're planning to travel um, anywhere that you have to fly to, might be a good occasion to say, hey, let's pack up the car and drive if we got to get somewhere. Okay, when we come back. We're going to find out what's on tap for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.